Hello, world. This is Chris Abalo's podcast experiment, and I am Chris Abalo. Welcome to the show, which is brought to you by Audible.com, the Internet's leading provider of digital audiobooks with over 180,000 titles to choose from across all genres. They have everything you could be looking for. And for you, dear listener and dear viewer, Audible is offering you a free audiobook download and a free 30-day trial so you can try out their service and see what it's all about. All you need to do is go to audibletrial.com slash cape and sign up to get your free audiobook download. Start your free 30-day trial and hey, no obligation. If you download your audiobook and you're like, oh, maybe this isn't for me. Or if you try it for two weeks and say, mm, not so much, you can cancel. No obligation, but you get to keep your free audiobook anyway. So once again, audibletrial.com slash cape and choose from any of the audiobooks they have tons and tons and tons over 108 it's got to be close to 200,000 by now so let's just say that almost 200,000 titles anyway welcome to the show cape 72 which we are coming to you from skid row studios however the live streaming has come to an end as of last week so just as a preventative statement we are, as of this recording, currently working on switching over the feed for iTunes to make sure that everything just transfers over from the Skid Row server to my server. So it should be corrected by now, by the time you are seeing and hearing this. Um, however, if not, please don't sweat it. Uh, your subscription will automatically update once the feed is, is uh, drawing the episodes correctly. And, um, of course, you can always get the episodes at chrisabalo.com. From here on out, well, starting with today, actually, it's going to be Mondays. Early in the morning, Mondays, uh, Pacific time, anyway. You will still be able to get the audio versions of the episodes. And if you're listening to the audio of this, the video is available today on the YouTube channel. And uh, next Monday will be the Skid Row finale, the all-star Skid Row Studios Cape finale which, uh, again, Monday is going to be available audio, video. So check back on chrisabala.com, check on iTunes, and check the YouTube channel and get in on that. And, uh, of course, then audio only starting in November until we settle into a new studio. But uh, thank you for tuning in. And, of course, all the best news and updates to stay current. Follow the show on social media. Kate Pod on Twitter, Kate Pod on Instagram, Kate Pod on Tumblr. Like the show on Facebook, so if there are any technical snafus or anything else going on, then that's where you're going to find all the uh, updates. But hopefully by now everything has gone smoothly and iTunes is uh, refreshing automatically, so you're getting the episodes on Mondays, as is intended. All right. Joining me, rejoining me on the show this week, uh, in studio, musician, author, educator, please welcome... Bobby Borg, the fabulously bearded Bobby Borg. <laughs> Welcome, uh, sir. Thanks. Thanks. Nice to be here again. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, uh, totally. I'm glad we got you in studio here because uh, if you want to check out Bobby's first appearance on the show, you can check out uh, Cape 35, where Bobby called in to discuss his last book, Music Marketing for the DIY Musician. And uh, we're going to talk a bit about his new book today, Business Basics for Musicians, which if... Um, you're looking to learn business basics, period. Having gone through a chunk of the book myself, yes, there's a lot that's music specific, of course, but 
it really is just general business practices. If you're going to do, if you are going to do things yourself, frankly, both books are where if you're going to be doing any kind of business or marketing, if you're going to handle whatever it is independently, you're better off going and loaded. As I said last time, you can't afford to not know what Bobby Borg knows. And these two books are pretty essential if you're going to go into any kind of independent operation, any kind of business. So in the case of business basics, what is it that gets covered in the book? Well, there's a number of different sections in the book. It's broken down into, first of all, execution, number one. Then it gets into what's called business relationships, number two. Then it talks about pro teams, number three. Then it talks about number four, deals and dollars. And number five, it gets into the future. <laughs> so with ex execution, pretty much it talks about getting things done in general. Um, a lot of things regarding motivational tips for how to get from point A to point B for the most part. How to be proactive in today's music environment. You know, how to attract the attention of those that can help you by first helping yourself. So very, very important stuff in there and lots of really cool tips. The second section talks about um, business relationships. So that would be things like band membership agreements or partnership agreements. Um, it would deal with things like going solo and what the difference between going solo and being a band is. And then, of course, it also talks about the independent contractor status, you know, where you're hiring your services out for somebody else whether or not that be you playing guitar in another band or you licensing your music and film and television. So moving on, it talks then about pro teams because everybody wants to get a manager, but no one knows necessarily, you know, whether the manager wants them. Right. <laughs> Think about that, right? Then, of course, your, your attorney is very, very important as well. Um, and uh, we touch on a, a number of different topics, which we can get into more detail if you'd like. Sure. Um, and then, of course, your producer, because producers aren't just people that sit in leather chairs and uh, wear earphones and twist knobs and stuff. <laughs> There's a lot more to it. There, there should be a lot more to it. <laughs> <laughs> there should be a lot more to it. Right. <laughs> and, then, and then, of course, it talks about a business manager, you know, and a lot of people don't know the difference between a personal manager and a tour manager. And uh, then it gets into your booking agent. And again, it's one of those things where, where, you know, where people want the booking agent. But, you know, the booking agent gets, 10, 10 gets you know, paid 10% of the deals negotiated. And the last time I checked, 10% of zero is zero. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, that's an important thing to, to remember. And then real quick, it also goes into deals and dollars. And deals and dollars deals with record deals, with music publishing deals, with merchandising deals, and with live performance contracts. And with all of those things, there are royalties that you need to understand, so you need to know how to get paid. There's contractual clauses that you need to be very, very careful of. And then finally, the future. I mean, who really knows what's going to happen in the future? But it's interesting to sort of discuss, you know, where things may possibly go. You know, very, very important to keep your eyes on where things are going so that you know, you can craft and strategize your career so that you can essentially be there first rather than always trying to play catch up. So in that chapter, it's really cool. What I did is I, I interviewed a number of different people. And, um, and what we did is uh, we just asked them, you know, whatever field you're in, touring, a lawyer, you know, record company, where do you see the future of the music going in 2020? So some very, very cool stuff. And if you want, we can, uh, you know, we can tackle one or more of those things in a little bit more detail. But sure. that's essentially what the book covers. A lot of stuff. It's funny because it's, um, as you say in the, in the introduction to the book, it's uh, a lot of musicians take the long road, which is, you know, learn mistakes one at a time instead of going from learning from others' experiences. Um, endorsements, by the way, from Steve Vai and uh, Mike Inez from Allison Chains. 
also played bass in Ozzy's band, uh, and loads of other pros. So feel free to check that out. By the way, if you would like business basics for musicians or music marketing for the DIY musician, you know what to do. Go to chrisabal.com, click through the Amazon banner, and you can order the books. Order them together and get your, your library started. Get your education started, too, because... You know, it's funny, the, the legal thing you mentioned, because the more and more I hear about particularly bands from, from the 80s who have splintered, and a lot of them have hired musicians, musicians on a salary because there's two original members and the other two or three are gone. Uh, you hear more and more now, um, the most recent example I can think of is the band Rat. There's Bobby Blotzer's Rat, there's Stephen Piercy performing Rat, and then there's somebody else who um, is, I forget which other uh, former member is p performing rat songs. Everyone except M Warren Martini, the guitar player. But the name isn't owned by everybody who is ever in rat. From what I understand, it's owned by Bobby Blotzer. And um, same thing happened with Queen, ah, sorry, Queen Strike recently, where Jeff Tate left the band, wanted to take the name, and there was a whole legal battle when it came to who owned the name. So the legal part is something that I don't think... Well, you wouldn't know necessarily. And when these bands got together 25, 30 years, probably more like 30 years ago, they wouldn't have necessarily thought of this. But these are factors you have to take in when you're getting into a kind of partnership like this. Absolutely. Um, when, you know, two or more people come together and they share in the profits and losses of a company, a partnership is formed. Um, and a lot of people don't understand this because they might think, well, we didn't do anything, but just by virtue of coming together and sharing in the profits and losses of a company, a partnership is formed. And should there be any misunderstandings or any legal uh, proceedings that follow as a result of a misunderstanding, um, state partnerships laws might say that everything is split equally. Now, how do you split a name equally when everyone hates each other? <laughs> in other words, if, if everybody is using the band at the same time, then the public in some way may be defrauded. So who is the original, you know, whatever the group is, fill in the name. Right. So as a result, it's very, very important to, to have some sort of band membership agreement together, a partnership agreement that indicates what's going to happen when one of the members leaves or when two of the members leave. So in other words, what you might do is you might say that um, the band holds the asset of the name and should any leaving member, um, you know, uh, want to use the name, they cannot. Unless, of course, the, 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 you know, the people that the remaining members give the rights to that person to use it. And of course, you know, um, it, you know, it, it could be said, why would someone give the rights for someone else to use the name? You know, now I don't know the situation regarding RAT, um, but I could tell you that this is this is a problem with so many, many groups simply because when you go in to a band, you are going into it um, in most cases primarily to have a good time <laughs> and to, of course, uh, succeed with your art. But but people fail to, to think of these things. And that's right. why usually there's problems later. So very, very important stuff, you know. In this day and age, you really have to know everything and you have to look at it like a business. Music is an art, but making money from it is a very serious business. Right. I mean, wedding bands have business. <laughs> they still need to arrange things among a couple members. It's not as if you need to be on, you know, you don't need to be assigned to... to Geffen, well, I don't think Geffen exists anymore, but just for the sake of argument, <laughs> for uh, you don't need to be signed to Geffen to be like, well, we need, we have uh, assets or whatever to split up. You're still entering into some kind of partnership agreement if you're going out and gigging, period. Yeah, absolutely. Because ultimately everybody wants to, they want to get something from it and they, they're looking out for kind of, you know, to make sure they're getting their, their equal share. But if things go 
down, <laughs> then it's it's a matter of like, well, yeah, who owns this? Who owns the name? Who knows? And it's something I think even as I think even fans get confused by because they just look at it as, but they're in a band, isn't everybody together? And they don't consider, you know, Rush is a is a rare example where it's three guys they split everything equally, and where Motley Crue is Vince Neil's a contracted employee because <laughs> he doesn't own the name. He gets hired for doing tours. You know, they're doing their final tour now. He's a contracted employee right now, and it's something I think there's kind of this um this misconception that there's this all for one and one for all, even though it may start that way. I think a lot of people don't consider how, how important it is to, to be educated about this, how you need yeah. to know exactly what, what the details are and also what your responsibility is too. Absolutely. I can't really comment on uh, the specific examples you gave because sure. I haven't researched them. Um, but, but generally, I mean, the point that you're, that you're trying to make is very, very true. You know, I mean, you start off in the music industry and it is, um, you know, uh, all for one, all for, you know, one for all. And unfortunately, what happens, though, is as the group develops and maybe one member starts to, to realize that they're more important than the others, <laughs> you know, sometimes that affects uh, their feelings about things and maybe they feel they should greater, get a greater share, you know, or perhaps what happens is, is one member is slacking off and one person is writing all the material and then starts to, you know, to, to resent the fact that they have to split things equally. So therefore, then they want to, you know, they want to be compensated and they want to adjust, you know, the splits and the shares in the band. Um, so, you know, that's especially when a band membership agreement is, is important. You, you know, I mean, look, again, I mean, I can't say it enough. Music is an art. Making money from it is a very serious business, no matter what level you are, whether or not it be the major indie or DIY level. You know, it's like any job. You know, when you want, when you get a job, you want an employment agreement. You know, you want to know, um, do you get shares in stocks? You know, what are you paid hourly or what are you paid, whether or not you're paid yearly? What, what, what are the health benefits? You know, that type of thing. I mean, it's anything in, in, in the world you go into, you'd like to know where you stand. Sure. It's no different with the group except for the fact that it's really, really fun to be in a group. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I think that's what makes people maybe um, neglect the business side, just because it's like, you know, well, wow, you know, it's amazing, you know, to, to, to be in this industry and to be able to succeed. It's a blessing. But, yeah. but then make, make, make no mistake, it's still a business. It is. No, it totally is. And there's a lot of things I look at because as, as an independent contractor myself, when it comes to doing voiceover and voice acting, et cetera, there are things you, you need to know as far as, well, number one, looking for work, which is a recurring theme on the show, is that not not just specific to showbiz, just in the world in general, nobody's looking for you. You need to establish yourself and you need to put yourself out there because overall, you're, you, you need to sell yourself and for a while, you're going to have to handle your business. And for a while, you may have to work for free or, or however it goes. So th there's a lot of details in here when it comes to even operating independently and as an independent contractor, that's important. That's stuff that I'm going over and highlighting and saying, okay, this is this is good to know because there's there are all sorts of levels that you're gonna have to deal with. Ultimately, sure, people want to have a manager. Ultimately, they'd love to have a booker, and um, it's just it's getting to that point that I think people don't understand. And there's so much information out there now. I feel like there's a lot of people throwing their two cents in, and not everybody can, not everybody knows where to take the advice from. Here's distilled information, unbiased information, by the way, as you yourself are. And independent, <laughs> essentially. Sure, yeah. So, with with your experience, <clears throat> excuse me, and your education, then all this is being filtered into. Here's what you need to know as a as a foundation, as a very detailed foundation, by the way. Because e even though you gave the uh, the broad strokes of each section, there's a ton of information in there. 
there's there's gold in this. There, there's a lot. There's a lot. And, and to 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 comment on what, some of the things you said, yes, as an independent contractor and as someone that does voiceovers, absolutely. I mean, you need to know, you know, the SAG-AFTRA regulations in there, and they're clearly spelled out in there. Yeah. You know, um, and the AFM's regulations as well. These are unions, by the way, you guys out there listening. And uh, it's it's interesting to understand what, the, um, you know, these organized unions think is fair compensation for employees, fair compensation and treatment. Oh, yeah. And, and you know, not, not I mean, you might not be ready necessarily to join, but you certainly should, should see what they consider to be fair and, uh, and standard practices in the music industry. So those are all outlined in there. Another thing I want to point out is, or comment on rather, is something that you mentioned about how there's a lot of information out there. Um, very, very true. There's a lot of podcasts. There's a lot of books. There's a lot of new schools opening up where they have music business departments. Uh, and sometimes it makes it very, very difficult to figure out, like, you know, which source you should use. Um, you know, very complicated. And what you need to do is you need to find a trusted, unbiased source, people that have experience, people that have been in the industry for a long time and know the ins and outs of it. And, um, and, and of course, as you pointed out, you know, one of the things that I think is a, is a great benefit to, to, the, uh, to the reader about the book is that it's not Bobby Borg's theories on music business or <laughs> right. music marketing. This is incredible amounts of research where literally before I published, let's just say, for example, a chapter on music publishing, it was read, you know, inside and out by some of the top music publishing people in the business. You know, same thing with the lawyer section, same thing with the management section, and and every section has been um, backed up by incredible amounts of research. So it's been vetted, so you know it's quality. Oh, absolutely, <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a lot of a lot of stuff in there, and uh, and and uh, I'm really proud of it. I have to tell you, and it's great oh, yeah. to be on a show like this where I can share that that hard work and knowledge with, with others out there. Definitely, yeah. BobbyBorg.com, by the way, is where you go for all things Bobby. You can follow him on Twitter at Bobby Borg and Bobby Borg Consulting on Instagram. Mm -hmm, that's Those are all the main ones? Okay, cool. Yeah. And YouTube as well, too. I have a lot of really great videos on there that yes. I'd love to share with you guys. Yes, uh, and all the links will be in this uh, post, the Cape 72 post on chrisabala.com, all the relevant links to reach Bobby. And uh, below in the, the YouTube video in the description as well, you can find it. Um, just for uh, just kind of a, a, a bird's eye view, let's talk a little bit about some, some details when it comes to career execution. Which I hope there's a there's a metal band of of guys who are like bankers during the week somewhere who get together on the weekend and call themselves career execution. But anyway, let's go into um well just not details, but just a broad overview as far as execution is car as far as the the mindset and the planning for those on the ground floor who Absolutely. are saying you know what what do I do I I I just play guitar man I just play drum I don't I don't know what to do I don't know how to get from where I am to where I want to go. Right. Well, execution is a very, very important topic. I put that first, um, you know, simply uh, because people need to get motivated, you know, to do what they say they're going to do. So execution is simply the art of getting things done. And there's a big, 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 big gap between saying or planning that you're going to do something and then actually executing it and getting it done. Unfortunately, musicians, and I can say this because I am a musician, <laughs> are very beautiful, passionate, hardworking people. Um, that are very, very gifted, maybe on the right brain side and on the left brain business analytical side. Unfortunately, there are certain things that oftentimes, uh, for some reason, the lack, like making a phone call on time, showing mm. up to rehearsal on time, you know, learning the song that they were supposed to rehearse for the rehearsal on, you know, on time and coming prepared. 
um, remembering to bring your drumsticks and your pedal and things like <laughs> that. I mean, it, it, you know, some people aren't as bad as others, but it, it blows me away sometimes, um, you know, how sometimes it just seems that, you know, musicians can't get that part together. And guess what? You can get it together. You just have to realize that in today's day and age, there's no other choice. You really, really have to do it. You have to get some momentum going for your career. My motto is attract the attention of those that can help you by first helping yourself. You really need to light enough fire so that people see the smoke and they come. And they will come if you stay in this game long enough. So first, the motivation to be proactive, roll up your sleeves and get it done. And then the tenacity to stay in the game long enough so that you can build demand and so that it can lead to something. These are very, very two important things. And then somewhere in between there, it becomes proper planning. So you definitely have to have a clear idea about where you're going. I use the acronym SMART, specific. You know specifically where it is you want to go. It's measurable. There's some quantifiable measurement on there so that you know whether or not you're actually get going in the right direction. You know, it's kind of like going to a gym. You know, you can't say I'm going to get buffed. What does buffed mean? You know? <laughs> so you specifically have to say I would like to lose body fat, let's just say, for example. But then you need to measure that. So you might then say from 17% to 15%, you know. So, so, so when, you, when you create proper goals, um, it, it's easier to, to map out a way to get there. And it's easier to sort of manage those goals when um, they're specific, measurable, attainable, roadmapped, and time-based. So very, very important concept, execution, of course. Oh, yeah. You know. And it's funny, too. I think a lot of, um, a lot of times musicians, total blanket statement, uh, be forewarned. But I, I almost think they don't give themselves enough credit as far as being able to handle all those other things. But the, the discipline it takes to, to play music in the first place, you're just applying that discipline in a different area. And you're right. You really do need to now more than ever. You need to diversify yourself. You can't just know one thing anymore, because you need you need to bring multiple skills to the table if you're going to be your own your own entity in in whatever you're doing in whatever type of business, particularly our creative pursuits. I think it's more. I'm, I'm biased as somebody who's who's been doing them for the last mm, decades. But anyway, it's um it, it's something I don't think people. Uh, consider where it's just like, well, no, it's just you, you can learn these skills. You can learn how to how to organize and like, is it, you know, with an acronym like SMART, just as a way of of guiding yourself through and measuring your your productivity and measuring your progress, because it's something that. Um, there's all, and, and frankly, there's almost a weird forgive me for like kind of getting out of soapbox. Um, I just and the more people I encounter in in just um, particularly in, in Los Angeles, just uh, just in show business in general. It's funny how many people are just um, almost have a mentality of like, I need to figure it all out on your on my own. No, you don't, <laughs> because you can get books and you can you can go to, to trusted sources like yourself and you can you can get a book like this. You can invest your your twenty twenty five bucks, get the book, and learn something and go in armed with some intelligence. And um, another thing I feel like people don't do enough is is ask, because typically if you have if you want to know what somebody else knows, somebody who has experience. Uh, somebody who has knowledge, somebody who's informed, then a lot of times if you just ask them, then they'd be happy to share their knowledge with you or their experience or give you some kind of guidance in some form or even refer you to somebody else. It's so there's almost this, um, I, I feel like just in in different, fa in, in music and different fac facets of um, showbiz, it's like 
people think like they kind of have to figure it out on their own. And if you want to be independent, it doesn't mean you're completely, you need to put yourself, uh, isolate yourself and figure it all out without any outside input. No, ask people, approach people because people are happy to share knowledge. Again, follow Bobby Borg on Twitter at Bobby Borg. <laughs> if you want, if you want some, some real advice and somebody who, who knows what they're doing and who you can ask questions to, by the way, <laughs> I just feel like there's this weird sense of just like, I need to figure this out on my own. Like the independence is almost taken too far. Right. I mean, interestingly enough, you know, there's this, this, I think a lot of people are, are getting the whole DIY independent um, spirit and it, because it, it sounds cool, you know, F the man, you know, yeah. F the record companies, F the major labels, you know, we're going to be independent. We're going to do this themselves. But even like, let's take a really great example of the independent movement, um, Ryan Lewis and Macklemore, you know. Mm. But guess what, guys? They aren't completely independent. They have outsourced deals with ADA, one of the biggest independent distributors, uh, you know, in the world. Um, so I don't, you know, the theme, you know, DIY, it's right over my shoulder, you know, DIY, do it yourself. It's more a proactive spirit than anything because it doesn't literally mean do it yourself. I mean, you're not going to build a studio in your backyard and a manufacturing plant and own tour buses. I mean, <laughs> you know, it's really DIT, do it together. You know, you have your own company, but then what you need to do is outsource to certain people that can help you get things done. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean or imply that now you have to pay these people. You can get fans fired up, you know, to be part of your street team. You can actually uh, do what's called, uh, you know, barter where, you know, I'll do something for you, you do something for me, you know. It, it's really quite amazing. You can form alliances with other groups so that when you do shows together, you're promoting each other. So now, instead of promoting just yourself, now you've got five people collectively or five different bands collectively using all of their social networks and all of their email lists so that all, all five people are promoting themselves together and pushing each other, you know. Right. So there's so many ways to go about doing this. And, uh, you know, and, and certainly there's there's a lot to be said about learning from your own mistakes, you know, but of course, if there's people that have learned um, from mistakes, you know, 30 years before you, <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's sometimes valuable, you know, um, to take to, and listen to what that person has to say. You know, I, I, the metaphor I use is that I was the, you know, I was the football player that played football on the field in the NFL and now I'm coaching, you know. Right. So, you know, so in any case, uh, yeah, good points that you're making. Sure. Oh, oh, thanks. It's um, it's it's great that the you're right. I think over the last let's say ten years, um, I feel like there's more of an independent spirit now because it's clear that uh, particularly major labels are, are gravitating towards pop artists and not encouraging uh, bands so much. It used to be, you know, back back in say the '70s, it was you know you had like your first three records kind of develop and turn into whatever. Now, if you don't hit kind of out of the gate, you're pretty much done. So it's easier to turn out a hundred you know, female pop singer albums a year uh, be, with a bunch of songwriters and major producers behind them than actually have to encourage artists. So it's kind of up to the artists to do it. And yeah, there's a real, there's become a real ethos and with uh, crowdfunding and with social media where you can get your stuff out to literally the world. It's great. Except you still need to, you're right, you need to start a fire enough that people will notice the smoke and they will pay attention to you. Right. Which that's is true. something that's that's a huge component of it. Even for something like this, 300,000 podcasts on iTunes. Are people going to listen to mine? Well, that's ultimately the hope. But you you keep going for it. You, you have fans spread the word, thankfully. And now, hey, when you were on in February, for instance, just for my own little uh, success story, no sponsors whatsoever. Today, sitting here in October, three. 
Audible, who I mentioned up top, and Amazon and Dollar Shave Club. So, you know, after uh, of the last couple months, just from keeping at it and from building an audience, there you go. Now there's now there's three sponsors. Right. So what you did is you took charge and you created demand. Mm-hmm. And where there's demand, you know, there'll be interest. It's really quite simple. I mean, there's a movie that's out right now this weekend called Steve Jobs, right? Mm. It, and it's about Apple Computer, of course, as we all know. Just watch the movie. He did it himself at first, too, as well. He had this idea about how he wanted to revolutionize the home computer, got a couple of his buddies together, found what their strengths are, uh, capitalized on those strengths, brought them together as a team. They started working out of their garage, essentially, built a prototype, took that prototype, then got some local store interested in selling it. From there, when they proved that they have sales, then they started to get investors and the rest is history. If you yeah. didn't take charge and roll up their sleeves and go into that garage and then go out and hunt distributors um, and retailers to actually sell these, these these products and create excitement and demand, there may not be an Apple computer, let's just say, for example. You know, so you know, it, it, it's really, I mean, to me, it's simple. Um, you know, uh, roll up your sleeves, get to work. I know it's hard, but like anything that is hard is often more worth doing. You know, simple, you know, great, you know, things. Uh, take uh, great, uh, great amounts of energy and work, you know? So um, all very, very simple uh, stuff in my mind. I mean, I'm past the day, long, long past the day when I'm just like, I'll sit in the studio, I'll practice 100 hours a day and I'll come out and Led Zeppelin will call me and I'll be their drummer, you know? <laughs> uh, that just doesn't, it doesn't happen. And when it does, it's, it's really a rare instance and we hate you when it happens because <laughs> everybody else has to work. So you have to off. deal with that too. So don't do it. But no, you're right. Don't don't wait for the phone to ring. That's not a strategy. That's not a means of getting success. As I say, hope is not a strategy. Yes. Yeah. You know. You're absolutely right. Um, as far as as business relationships, there's a lot. As you said, people know they need they need somebody in charge, but they don't know the difference between between uh, a manager tour manager and, and all these different levels. What are the, the let's say the, the main items they would have to know about just in general, okay. the, the main business people they need to involve themselves with at a certain level? Sure. Well, that section is called pro teams. And uh, essentially, you know, there's a number of things that you need to know. I mean, there's personal managers, there's attorneys, there's business managers, there's producers, and there's booking agents. So let's take a little bit from each one. First of all, you have to think about when, when you are looking for a personal manager, you have to ask yourself um, why the personal manager needs you. So the way uh, commissions are, are structured with personal managers is they get 20% of the gross minus certain expenses that are defined in the agreement. Sometimes they get paid a little bit more maybe on the net for certain things like touring. So there's a number of different ways that it could be arranged, but simply you need to know how the personal manager gets paid. You also have to know how the personal manager gets paid when they're no longer your management. Mm. So in other words, during the term of your agreement, the manager's entitled to a share of your income um, and to the share of the income for deals either substantially negotiated or negotiated during that term, after the term. So let's just say, for example, during the term of the agreement, you arrange some some four record deal, let's just say, for example, and only two of those records get, you know, get actually executed during the term of that personal manager's deal. And then let's just say, for example, you wanted to move on and get a new personal manager. Well, the manager is still entitled to the other two records that are going to happen and those two records after they're no longer your personal manager. 
So oftentimes artists like to have something called the sunset clause, which lowers the royalty that the manager is entitled to, you know, after the term of the agreement. Of course, no personal manager is going to like that, right? Sure. Simply because they feel that, hey, I got you those deals, so I'm entitled to actually earn a commission on Yeah, them. without me, you're, you wouldn't have had those coming in. So and even if we're not working yeah. together, yeah. Yeah, sure. And there's a lot to be said about that. However... Um, sometimes that's not practical because then when a new manager is coming on that also wants 20%, um, then you have your old managers that's good 20%. So that's almost 40, that's 40%. That's almost half of your income. So there needs to be things that maybe are arranged or at least thought about in terms of what's going to happen when the relationship no longer exists. Right. So, so that's very, very important and, and something that's confusing to a lot of people. And then one last thing about personal managers is just understanding what they do. You know, in the state of California and many other states, you, you know, people who procure employment need to be licensed talent agents and, and personal managers do not, are not talent agents. In other words, personal managers are not responsible for booking your gigs. So that's an interesting thing that, uh, that's, you know, confusing to a lot of people. Personal manager does not book a gig. Personal right. manager will help you get a booking agent who books the gigs. Um, now you might be saying, Bob, you're crazy. I have a personal manager and he gets me gigs. Well, surely, um, you know, uh, there's a 30 mile an hour, you know, uh, you know, speed limit outside and I was going 35. So there you go. I broke the, broke the law <laughs> on the way here. I mean, everyone can, can, <laughs> you know, it's not like there's a manager jail and there's management police riding around, you know, uh, LA, they're going to tackle your manager and arrest them. But, uh, it, it's for, for most managers, they understand this law and they understand that it could actually work against them in, in, in their career. So most, uh, savvy managers are not booking gigs for their, for, their, for their artists. So that's a very, very important concept to understand. Then, of course, when it comes to attorneys, real quick, if I might go sure. on. Um, a lot of people um, don't understand how attorneys get paid. So you need to understand, is it going to be a flat fee? Is it going to be hourly? Is it going to be a percentage? And what's a retainer? These are all very, very important things. And like everything else out there, there's bad cops, there's bad firemen, there's bad plumbers, there's bad auto mechanics, there's also <laughs> bad attorneys. And unfortunately, um, you've got to learn how to work together with the, man, with the attorney and you have to know when you look at your bill, what was fairly billed and what wasn't. And uh, I think a lot of people take it for granted that you're just going to hire a team and everything's going to work out and they'll take care of all that. It's not the way it goes. Yeah, there's a lot of musicians paying back taxes from decades ago <laughs> who, uh, didn't, yeah. who didn't handle their business or have the right people working for them. Once upon a time. Right. That's true. Yeah. And then, of course, um, you know, moving on to some other protein people real quick as well. Business managers, which is something that a lot of people um, don't really think about. A business manager is going to be someone that you hire until you make money usually. But uh, when, when you do get one, a business manager is going to advise you about how you should spend your money, how you should invest your money. I think one of the biggest mistakes artists make is that when they first make it, they want to go out and buy the $130,000 Mercedes or they want to buy, yeah. the, you know, the big house. So surely you can afford the down payment on it, but can you afford the payment and the taxes and the upkeep of the house for the next 30 years? You know, in many cases, no. And that's why you read stories about people who just, pardon the French, piss away their, their, their money and during the good years and then their career doesn't last and, uh, and, and they're, you know, bankrupt or they're, you know, in, in an uncomfortable situation. So understanding how to invest your money and put a little, waste, a little side is, is one of the big roles of a, of a business manager. So, and we could go on, sure. you know, booking agents, producers, there's things to know about all of these professional people. So. Right. The difference between is something that um, 
that I'm always, because I hear about it and I don't always put, put the pieces together. So you could probably define this better. A tour manager and promoter, they are two separate entities. Right. Uh, so you have what's called the concert promoter. You have the booking agent, and then you have the tour manager. Then you have the personal manager they're, and the business manager. They're all they're <laughs> okay. All, all of these people are related. So let's start with the. Um, okay, so a band has a manager. The manager is in touch with the agent, and they're discussing a strategy. And they might say, yes, our record's coming out. We want to tour before the record's coming out, and here's the general territories that we want to do. The agent then gets on the phone and starts kind of getting a feel for the marketplace and what kind of guarantees or what kind of deals that he can get for the artist. And what they do pretty much is, um, uh, you know, book uh, the gig. Um with with the promoter right so the promoter might either own the venue or the promoter might go in and rent the venue and then obviously get the bands and and then try to sell the tickets of course it's like a, a business an entrepreneurial uh, position where they're, they're putting it together event and they're and they're trying to make money from it right so the promoter will pay the agent usually a down payment that the agent holds on to okay now the band goes out on the road and brings a tour manager to make sure that they get on stage on time, to make sure that they get off stage, to make sure they don't end up in jail, <laughs> and also to then meet up with the promoter while the band is playing to collect that other part of the of, of the deposit, obviously, for doing the show. Um, make sure it's right, make sure it's closed out and settled correctly, and forwards that to the business manager who makes sure all the bills are paid, which then pays the, the band, which then pays the, you know, the personal manager. So right. that's how all of them work together. But it's definitely very complicated. And and, and unless, of course, you've been doing it for years or, or educating yourself about it, it just might seem very confusing. Right, right. Yeah, I feel a lot of that gets muddy just as a, granted, I never got that far musically, but just as from, from hearing about these details when you hear interviews with artists or about what's going on with a tour, it's just, it kind of gets a little muddy for me. So yeah, there's a lot of different, a lot of different levels, but also to be aware if that's your, your, aspiration then uh, all the all the better to familiarize yourself with everything um and if i can i comment on that real quick sure, sure okay you guys out there this is this is a business that is insanely complex i mean literally there's all these different areas and each one of these areas you can you know be an expertise in you know i mean um let's take your instruments first and foremost you have to get good enough otherwise none of these things that we're saying even matters Right. So that takes years of experience. I was a professional drummer and I practiced literally sometimes 20 hours a day when I was at, at Berklee College of Music in Boston. I mean, you know, you have to get good or everything that we're talking about doesn't matter. You have to be able to write songs well or none of the things that we're talking about is going to matter. Right. And you have to keep yourself into some sort of, you know, you have to be concerned with with you. You know, whether or not, you know, whatever that vibe might be, you give off. I mean, you have to exercise, you have to stay healthy. Uh, you have to, you know, you have to have a certain personality. So all those things right there is enough to handle on your own, right? <laughs> and now you have to understand all these other things. It's definitely daunting. And it's, it's, and it's something that I think a lot of people get frustrated about. And I mm -hmm. understand that frustration truly. And that's one of the reasons also why I structured the book the way I did. I tried to make it very, very simple. I tried to keep it in our language, you know, very, very clear language so that you can understand it. Um, and uh, the chapters are very short. The sections are very short. Everything is bullet pointed. Everything is, is titled. There's not that much, you know, text without some sort of header, you know, because you guys want to be able to look at the stuff so that you can get back to doing what you love best. And that is music. music.
And as, as straightforward as Bobby is speaking right now, that's how the book is written. It's not all jargon. It's not all business and, and marketing. I mean, it it is an explanation of business terms and marketing terms and what things mean, but it's not in a different language. It's very, very straightforward. And yeah, it is clear to read. It is bullet pointed. It's something you can keep referring back to. It's not like you're going to read it once and be like, ah, okay, now I'm armed. Let's go. It's something that is is structured in a way. And it's right as the, the parts Bobby went over at, at the top. It's It very much is um, written sequentially for when you get to these points, these are going to be your next concerns. You know, when it comes to career execution, then you have to worry about business relationships and then you have to handle pro teams and then you have to worry about deals and dollars. So it's structured in a way that you can, you, you don't even need to read it cover to cover off the bat. You can just read the first section about career execution and handle that part of it and make sure that you're you're set with with what you're doing for your career and, and don't overwhelm yourself with the areas where you you're not there yet. You can read a section ahead if you wanted to. Um, again, just my my theory, but it's structured. The book is structured in such a way where you can go through it and just tackle each section as it kind of comes up. You don't need to read the whole book just be like, "Oh, my head's swimming," because then you you could very well overwhelm yourself because there's a lot of information to take in. Yeah, so it's is. very straightforward. You know, the best way to learn, um, it, or even, you know, when people are going to school, you know, let's just say, for example, there's a business major just going to U, U, UCLA or USC or whatever the case might be. Um, when you are starting a business and can apply what you're learning in the classrooms right directly into your business, that's the best way to learn, you know. But, you know, of course, a lot of people go to school to learn information. And then when they graduate, they come out and they do stuff, right? So right. for surely, I mean, if you're sitting there reading about how to start your own publishing company and what the difference between, you know, ASCAP, BMI and CSAC is and, and, uh, and sound exchange and all this type of stuff, it just might be, you know, all this information. But the good news is, is that you underline everything, you put it on your shelf and then you come back later and then and you refer to it. Right. Um, when, when you're actually going to apply it. So, you know, a um, lot of stuff again to learn, but uh, again, there's there's no way around it. You have to learn it. You yeah, know? yeah. So, and also one other point I want to make too to make make sure that it's really really clear that you know my number one motive isn't sit, to sit here and hawk some twenty dollar book. I mean, please, is that <laughs> going to change my life? You know, absolutely not. You know, you should buy my books and you should buy every single other book out there in the music industry and have a huge huge library. Uh, you know, that uh, you refer to on a regular basis. I do. I sure. have all of the music marketing books. I have all of the marketing books. I, I went to school for this for many, many years. I have business books on my shelf. I read every single one of them. I have hundreds of books. So it, it's very, very important to get as much knowledge as you as you, uh, as you can. And, um, you know, and just, just soak it all up and just find a way of how to organize your time so that you can get all of this stuff in. It's, it's not, you know, it's not easy, but I will say this, you know, anything that you're passionate about, um, you know, it, it be, becomes simple. You know, there's a great quote that says, find something that you love to do and you will never work another day in your life. Yes. So if you're just doing all of this because it's like, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. I got to learn. I got to learn. Oh my God, this is so difficult, but I've got to be successful. You know, it's like, in other words, you're just focused on that big house and the cars and all that and stuff. Headlining Madison Square Garden. You know, yeah. Just, then then I'd, I'd, you might need to check yourself. 
You know, like, are you doing this for all the right reasons? Because I'll tell you what, I can give you a couple ideas about how to get to that stuff a lot faster than being an artist. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, go, you know, start a hedge fund, you know, <laughs> um, go into f personal finance and, and, and investment banking and that type of thing, you know. I think that was the first day of the first class I took with you. I think it was what you said. Is like, first of all, if you're getting into the music industry to make money, you're the wrong business. <laughs> like, there are plenty of other jobs. If you want to make money, you could do them, and it's a it's not going to be as much of a, a struggle. You could go at it, like you said, start a head fund. You could do investing. A lot of other things you can do other than music. Yeah, Don't go and, into this saying you're going to get rich. Well, and to be clear, you you can get rich, but of course, isn't the richness you know, doing something that you love and are passionate about. I can't even imagine a world where you get up every morning and you get to your cubicle and your boss tells you what to do and you're stapling, you know, piles and piles of things and entering data, you know, for hours and hours and hours for years and years and decades and decades. And next thing you know, you're 50 years old, you know, mm. I mean, that to me just would be, a, you know, a, a tragedy. I mean, one of the gifts about pursuing a career in music, you know, that is if you love it, is that, you know, every step of the way should be a success. I mean, you, you're doing something that you really are passionate about and love and love, and that is a gift in and of itself. You know, if you could figure out how to pay some bills while you're doing this, that then just becomes even more and more beautiful. And then, of course, if you can get to the point where you're super successful, then, you know, hey, God bless you, you know what I mean? <laughs> that's an awesome reward for, for all of the hard work. Yeah. But if that's the focus and that's all you really care about, then why are you doing it through music? Yeah. You know, go, go, just go, go, go major in personal finance or something. Yeah, it's, it's a tough, tough road to hoe if you're just going to go into this and be like, I'm going to, because that industry doesn't exist anymore. I mean, not in the way it, it was, say, ages ago. But even that could be a, a misnomer, which um, uh, I'd be remiss if we didn't uh, mention, of course, your, your personal experience. Something after your first appearance, uh -huh. people were just like, why didn't you ask him about blah, blah, blah. Um, Which, by the way, just for the sake of... Um, me also kind of being uh, doing a little bit of shilling. Uh, Bobby St. Reed, yeah, definitely. Get yourself a free book, seriously. Audibletrial.com slash cape. Look at the business of marketing books. There's thousands of them out there. Listen to it on your iPhone or your, your Android, whatever. Free book, go get it. Audibletrial.com slash cape and, and get something in there and just and listen to it and absorb. A lot of them have, because um, I have a few myself, have uh, downloadable PDFs as well that accompany the audiobooks. I don't think if you're just listening to it, it's just going to go in one ear and out the other. Uh, a lot of them have have reference guides to them. So uh, if if you don't want to get started, hey, that's one way to do it. I'm just mentioning. If it. I might inter um, uh, interject real quick, just to sure. be clear, though, I don't think that mine are available on Audible yet. Um, that's correct. Yeah, I did double check. So <laughs> they would have to go to my site www.bobbyboy.com or just like go to, to Amazon or you know I'm everywhere. Just you know, if you're looking for, you want to look for these things, you guys out there, just type it in and and you'll find it. You know? Yes. So, yeah, well, I'll be more than happy to, to talk a yeah, little definitely. bit about my past and some of the things that I did. Let's, um, the, the, one of the stories that, uh, well, now you hear about it. You didn't hear about him, um, in the era, but, um, with, uh, your experience with Beggars and Thieves, signed to Atlantic Records, producer who did, uh, was it Appetite for Destruction? It was producing yeah, the Steve, album? Steve Thompson and Michael Barbiero, they did, they worked with a number with of everybody, right? groups, yeah. And... As you've told it, your A&R rep was uh, out of the picture, and then the record yeah, ended yeah. up on the shelf, essentially. Uh, well, I mean, not, you can clarify. Not, not, not quite, but close to, to that. It actually ended up being released. I'll give you the, I'll give you the, the audience the whole run. Yeah, so that sounds please. Great. I'll do this really quick. 
So, you know, make a long story short, you know, upon graduating from Berklee College of Music, I was a working musician in Boston playing with R&B groups and, and uh, doing, you know, small little cruise ships in the harbor and had my own teaching practice. And I was a, a working musician and, and, and doing very well, actually. But I wanted more, so I moved to New York City and I was doing some sessions and I met up with a group that was already established, and, uh, but, but, but not so much so that they were released yet. So joined up with that group and, uh, you know, the group, uh, was signed to Atlantic Records, and we had a big A and R guy. We had Metallica's management, Q Prime, which is one of the biggest rock management oh, yeah. companies in the hey, world. Def Leppard for a long time too. Uh, uh-huh, sure, lot, lots of different groups, and you know, big lawyers, big songwriters, Desmond Child writing with the band, and you know, and so on and so forth. So all the ducks were in the row. I mean, you couldn't have more things lined up you know, to be successful. And, you know, and, and, you know, what happened is, is the A&R guy left to start a record company in England, you know, right before our record was released. And that's not a good thing. Mm -hmm. So they kind of threw us to some other A&R guy to take over our project, which ended up becoming a huge A&R guy. But I I don't think that he was in love with, 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 with our group and didn't really push. He wasn't champion at the label for us. And the record came out and it didn't do as much. And, you know, unfortunately, I mean, if you look at, at all the people that were involved with the record, you would think, how is this not possible that this wasn't successful? And that's just the way this business works. It takes so much. I mean, all of the stars and planets have to be aligned in order for something to, to, to really spark and take off. Yeah. And, and it just didn't, it, it, it didn't happen as big as it should have. So. You know, um, what did I do? I picked up, uh, you know, picked myself up and and did it myself and was more proactive about it. And I was, you know, then I was really anti-label like and I <laughs> formed a group called Left for Dead. <laughs> Playing adult yeah. contemporary, obviously. So, so yeah, yeah, right, yeah. Country polka. A lot of, yeah. Yeah, no, it was an alternative, like very dark uh, sort of sound garden-ish, you know, meets Pantera kind of, kind of band. <laughs> F the industry music, that's what yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah, After yeah, the you know, fallout. yeah. And it was cool. It was a lot of fun. But, you know, um, so contrasting from being with a major, you know, and being in the group Beggars and Thieves, which was a really, which was, uh, you know, an interesting experience. And then, of course, you're on your own now traveling in vans, you know, um, and, and work in the streets, so to say, mm-hmm. um, was, was a, a big contrast. But, you know, um, a, a pretty cool one, too. The benefit was just that there was a lot more creative freedom to just do, you know, and you felt like you had more control of your destiny, so to speak. Uh, and then moving on from there, I joined a group that was already selling millions of records, a group called Warrant, uh, which was successful in the late um, nine, late, uh, 80s, late 80s, early 90s. Early 90s. And when I joined the group, they were still playing, you know, small clubs, but also big venues as well. So mm-hmm. there was a, so there was venues we were playing with, uh, you know, um, several, several thousand people. And that was exciting. Of course, we did. I did two records with them and. Um, you know, just, uh, you know, all, all the craziness that goes along with, uh, with doing that, but there were definitely some great experiences. Sure. Um, sure. So, you know, you add all that up and it t- turns out to being 15 years, you know? Yeah. So, and, and working steady for 15 years on top of it too. You know, I got to tell you, I mean, I, you know, despite a couple little odd, odd jobs here and there for the most part, all I've ever done is made music, you know, in, in money in music and, um, you know, up and downs though, you know, there's periods of time in between where you're not. Oh, for sure. So, you know, it's a, it's a hustle, but you know. A&R, by the way, for anyone who's listening, who's, who's unaware, they're, they're essentially, as you've put it, the, the liaison between the artist and the label. Mm-hmm. They're kind of the one who's cheering you on and guiding it. So the, the fact that there's the A&R person who's kind of helping to sell you and push you and um, give the, have the, 
label give you more attention, of course, they come out of the picture and someone who, as he said, is, is not as into what you're doing, isn't going to be cheering as hard for you to the label. So that's got, that's essentially what uh, the, the A&R person does in, in, that's correct. in short, just, just yeah. for anybody who's unaware, who's, who's listening, who's not as uh, familiar yeah. musically with what that is, but that's, yeah. um, yeah, that's pretty important that, that, <laughs> to have that cheerleader. Correct. Absolutely. And now, um, you know, of, of course, uh, the music industry today is a little bit different. You know, you have uh, labels that primarily look for groups that are already happening and things are already sort of, you know, materializing, you know, um, several hundred thousand hits on your YouTube page. You know, you play a gig and you're already attracting 50 or 60 people. You know, you have this really solid brand, great songs, great recordings. You know, you have your fans organized and, 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 and attracted to what you're doing. So in other words, before, as you pointed out way in the beginning of the show, A&R people may have looked for talent and figured out how to develop them. And now they're looking for developed talent to looking for how they can make even more and more money from them. And, right. and so it's a different industry. It's a different climate out there. The advantages is that there's more tools for everybody. The disadvantage is that now everybody's doing it. <laughs> yeah. So it becomes very competitive. So strive to be unique. Strive to be, you know, distinguish yourself from others. Don't be afraid to push the boundaries of innovation and do things that are maybe a little different with a different twist so that you are the leader. You're at the front of the line rather than constantly chasing what's what's new, because by the time you catch it, it's not new anymore. Um, yeah, so, this, the show business is built on copycatting. So there is a lot of like people kind of chasing like, oh, what was successful? And then kind of um, figuring out the way they, they can adapt that instead yeah, of pioneering. That's but true. The one... I've said this many times on this show, but the one commodity that never loses market value is hard work. So if you're putting in the work and you're doing it and you keep pushing, it's going to pay off. And especially now in an environment where they're looking for, everybody's looking, people are always looking for talent, period. But they want talent who they know is not going to be a waste of their time, their investment, be it time or money. And so they want people who can prove they can do the work. So yeah, you have to do the work on your own, whether it's gig on your own or promote yourself or get other people involved, which you certainly can from the, the many examples uh, or the, the many means uh, Bobby mentioned earlier. But it's important that, yeah, you do need to to work for yourself and, and prove you can do the work. And from that, you can be, you know, like Ryan Lewis and Macklemore, <laughs> you can you can prove like, hey, we have all this going for us. And then then use that to to get you to the next level. That's the way the world works. Yeah. Again, go watch the Steve Jobs movie about, you know, how Apple uh, became Apple. Yeah, I need, I, I need every, to check that out. Everybody rolls up their sleeves and does it themselves and gets some hard work done and puts a little risk into this game before things start to happen. You know, I just, I'm afraid that the listeners right now are listening to the show and they're like, shut the hell up, Chris. <laughs> you know, shut up, Bobby. You're making me sick. All this work bullshit you're talking yeah, about. I just want to play. Just give me that damn 800 number to success. Where's yeah? You know? Where's the magic? I want to know where the magic button is that'll get me a deal in a mansion and playmates. Who doesn't? Of course. <laughs> but it's like, it, but it doesn't. It doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. That's a, another one of those. I mean, I feel like now well, you, it's, you've never heard my music, man. <laughs> my music is different, man. When you hear this shit, when it drops, it's gonna like it's gonna pop. You know, it's just like look. Um, Cool. You know what I mean? Definitely cool. You know, keep the energy, keep the spirit, but, uh, you know, be realistic. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's a, you just have to be realistic, you know, play this like anything else. You know, you have to strategize, you have to be smart, you know, you don't need to lower your expectations. It's not like, no, don't, you know, don't, uh, it's not that you can't aspire to play at Madison square garden or the Staples center or Hollywood bowl or something like that, but just, 
get to get to what's uh, within your reach right now and just go along the way and plan, plan again. Go through the book step by step. See what it is for, for all aspects of business. Again, as, as a writer and, and voice actor, I'm going through this to learn just different aspects of business because as of now, I'm completely, well, not completely independent, but <clears throat> largely the, my work is done, uh, be it this show and many other voice acting activities are done independently. And it's still important for you to know this, if you're, again, any creative pursuits. It's geared toward musicians. There are a lot of stories in there uh, related to experiences uh, with musicians. And it's also very straightforward and it's easy to refer to anytime. Get it and go through it. And uh, there's, there's no rush to get through the book. Don't read the whole book and just be like, oh my God, how am I going to, you know, go through it as 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 you're going through and plotting out your career. Um, since the time is ticking away, um, a, a capsulization of, of the future, or at least where, where it seems to be going. Because 10 years ago, nobody would have expected uh, ownership, you know, forget illegal downloading. Now it's just streaming. It's a legal means, but it's also trickling in fractions of pennies with every play. No one would have predicted Spotify or, you know, different things. Uh, 15 years ago, no one would have thought, what, digital music? No, people buy albums. So there's there's always been some wave that has changed the means by which people are getting their getting their music to them, getting their entertainment, period. No one would have thought of uh, Netflix seven years ago being what they are today. Um, what is it overall as, as far as the future goes? Okay, overall, there will be change. Mm. And, um, you know, flow with it. You know, investigate it. Look forward. See where things are going. See where there's opportunities and, 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 and grab you know, those opportunities, you know, strategize so that you're um, at the forefront of all this stuff rather than playing catch up. And, you know, don't bitch about the past. You know, yeah. I mean, now that I've been on this face of this earth for, uh, you know, a certain number of years, I can look back and I can say things are going to evolve and things are going to change, especially in the music industry. Mm. Um, but one thing is for certain, music is not going anywhere. We right. laugh to it. We get married to it. We get divorced to it. You know? yeah. We dance to it. We exercise to it. There's always going to be music. And that's the wonderful thing. Um, just the way the business is will evolve and it will be and it will change and uh, and it will grow and expand. And some people might not be happy with change. And, and just nor just generally speaking, no matter what it is, people are afraid of change, you know. But you have to embrace it and you have to look at it as, as, as being something where there's lots of opportunities that exist, you know. Yeah. So you, you have to. I mean, since you brought up Netflix, let's uh, talk about Blockbuster. Huh, yeah. You know, what happened to them? You know, I mean, a huge company. And I used to say, hey, let's go out and get a blockbuster. Not, I wouldn't even say, let's go get a movie. Let's, yeah, let's make it know? a blockbuster night, guys. I mean, so, <laughs> so, so, so someone dropped the ball on that one, huh? I mean, because they weren't looking and keeping their eye on the future for how things might evolve. They could have taken what they did and put it online before Netflix, but they didn't. And you know? they had an opportunity to buy Netflix and they didn't follow through on it. And look at it, they didn't adapt. Hey, who would have known Vinyl would make such a huge comeback? It's the, it's the physical format that's growing exponentially, you know, in double digits, percentages every year. And now, so much so that even major labels are getting it and reissuing old stuff on vinyl. Who would have, who would have thought necessarily that would have come back around? But now, there you go. They're, they're adapting to it. And they're being smart enough to include download codes. A lot of albums, if you buy particularly new releases, they'll have a download code. So you can have the digital version for your, your music player, your phone, whatever. Who would have seen that coming? <laughs> who would have thought, oh, forget these CDs. We're going to have 
vinyl comeback. <laughs> yeah. You know what? I don't have the stats. I remember seeing them recently. And there's, it's, it's um, you know, I mean, like the number of people that buy CDs versus the number of people that buy vinyl versus the number of people that download versus the number of people that stream. I don't have the exact stats on mm. that. Um, but I think we can we can all say for sure it looks like the next business model is going to be streaming. There'll be more and more people that subscribe and people will just be used to streaming. And I think that's going to be the way of the future. But if history repeats itself, something next after oh, streaming. Yeah. You know, I don't know what that's going to be. Is it going to be nuclear? I mean, what, yeah, you know, it's going to be eye implants, ear implants. Something. I have no idea, <laughs> but it's going somewhere. It you is. Know, just it like is. styles will go somewhere as well. Um, then laws also will adjust. Obviously, musicians need to get paid better. So I think laws will evolve where um, the amount of money that musicians get, I, th I believe, eventually has to become more fair just sure. because it's just it's just not at the moment. And, um, you know, but one thing is for certain, live performance, people always are going to want to converge and yes, be together. Yes, nothing beats live music. And, um, and, of course, merchandise. People like to take home a souvenir when they're drunk. And, uh, <laughs> you know, so those two areas are definitely for sure that you, that you definitely need to be strong. Yes, so. deals and dollars. Read the deals and dollars section in Business Basics for musicians. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. But, um, and once again, for, for all this and more, bobbyborg.com. You can go there. You can find out more details. More extensive information, uh, various columns as well. Bobby publishes regularly online and has had articles through uh, Billboard, uh, CD Baby's DIY blog, um, tons of other outlets. I don't know if there's any of those you want to plug specifically beyond uh, your own you know, website. Just, I mean, gosh, I mean, Berkeley, uh, you know, Berkeley Today, um, which is part of Berkeley College of Music, you know, Sonic Bids uh, yes. as well has a, has, a, has a good blog that they're doing lately. Um, uh, boy, uh, Banzoogle is another one. Taxi is another one that features yes. a lot of my articles. Um, if anyone, if I'm forgetting anything out there, you guys, I apologize. I mean, there's Music <laughs> Think Tank. There's Hype Bot, um, Music Connection Magazine. I'm like, oh, I got a name on these guys. <laughs> um, you know, and of course, I also want to give a big shout out to my publishers, Hal Leonard. You know, yeah. These are the guys that, um, that, that put these books together very, very well. I'm very, very proud of the way they look and the editing process and... Um, and uh, and the quality of, of, of work that they put together in terms of the, the, the covers and just everything and the binding. I mean, they just do very, very good uh, work. So uh, shout out to all the people Yeah, there. these books are serious. And it's not like mi minuscule print either. It's very, <laughs> it's comfortable to read. It's not, yeah. like a, it's uh, not crammed with, uh, I mean, it's crammed with information, but it's not like, ah, it's not a bunch of charts. And I can't read this. It, again, all very easy to read. And spoken, or I should say, uh, written in Bobby's, straightforward speaking style as well. That really did translate over. And uh, bobbyborg.com once again, and follow Bobby on Twitter at Bobby Borg and Bobby Borg Consulting on Instagram. And uh, thank you so much for coming in. I'm glad we were able to do this in the studio and get you back in here to talk about the books. Absolutely. Thanks so much it. for having me, man. It's you been got great. It. Thanks, you guys. You got it. And once again, Cape 35, Bobby's first appearance. Check that out as well. Follow me on Instagram at Chris Sells Out on Twitter, Chris Abalo. And, of course, chrisabalo.com for all your links and resources. And uh, subscribe to the show, like the show, all that good stuff. Cake Pod on all social media resources. So until next time, for Bobby Borg, this is Chris Abalo, and this was yet another experiment. Seems so